So I want to speak to you this morning, starting a, probably a few Sundays, I'll be speaking about this, the beautiful bride. And uh, as you would know, the, the bride of Christ is the church of Jesus. Okay, the church is called the bride of Christ. And also the body of Christ. So they're different metaphors or different pictures of what the church is to God. And uh, so about middle last year, when we were in Manaus in, in Brazil, I felt the Lord say to me, make my bride beautiful. And uh, <clears throat> I've spoken a lot about it, but I really feel it's my life call or our life call to see the bride of Christ become beautiful and powerful. But I was focusing more on the powerful the last term. So I'm going to focus a little bit more on the beautiful part now. Okay, so we, we keep on praying for people, and Jesus still does miracles, and He is still awesome, but I want to focus more on the beauty part. How can the bride of Christ become beautiful? I was in Zambia last weekend. It was awesome. So we ministered at a conference, Easter conference of a church family, about 200 churches. So a bunch of the leaders and pastors were there, and I think Jesus... Uh, Overperformed, unfortunately. So uh, they want me to go back. Aye. And so they want like more of the leaders to come, and they want my books to be spread in Zambia, and they are very excited. And uh, a lot of people were physically healed, and a lot of miracles were happening. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. Especially this one lady, she was a, a big mama. And... Uh, her knees are shot, and her back is not great, and so she can't get up from a chair, so she was like sitting in the chair, and then, then she tried to get up, and she oh, couldn't, uh, battled, 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 and after a while, she sort of gets up. So then we prayed for her, and the next moment, the Holy Spirit comes upon her, and her arms opens up, and she goes into, I don't know what languages it was, but it was, she was having, the Holy Spirit was really touching her. And uh, it was just amazing to see from this, this pain expression on her face to go to this amazing smile. And then she went to the chair, sat, and then she got up. And then she was walking around like, <laughs> it was so It was wonderful. It was just wonderful to see. I saw home, home, so many things were happening. Um, Praying, so many people were healed and touched, and hearts were. So anyway, the churches are inspired to go next level to make their churches beautiful and powerful. Okay, so we're gonna. So I wanna I wanna share with you about the beautiful bride, but let me let me just pray for us. I'm gonna share. Father, thank you, thank you, Jesus, that you love your bride so much. Thank you, Jesus. For everything that you are doing, Lord, you are moving across the nations. You are moving. You are glorious. Lord, we pray that this morning that you'd open our eyes to see. Lord, we pray that you'd touch our hearts. Lord, help us to see what you are seeing. Holy Spirit, come. Anoint this word. Anoint our lives. Anoint our hearts. Awaken us to become everything that you have called us to be in you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. So when you say beautiful church, do you think you can use those two words in the same sentence? Beautiful church. So many, there's so many opinions, so many emotions running when you say the word church. So many people are negative about church. They've got so many criticisms about church. There's so many people that have been hurt in a church environment, hurt by leaders, hurt by other believers. There's, uh, you know, so many things that people say that's wrong with church. Like, it, you know, it's too rigid. You know, leaders are oppressive. It's not spontaneous enough. It's, or, or whatever else, you know. There's this whole bunch of things one can say. You know, it's dead. And maybe there are a whole bunch of churches that are dead. I don't know. But it, it, sort of, it, 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 it evokes something within us, you know. Most people should have an opinion about church. Because I think uh, Sonica spoke to someone a while ago over the phone who visited the church, and then they said something about another church. They said, I will never go to that church again. <laughs> you know? And it's like, eek, okay. <laughs> Luckily not us. Thank you, Jesus, but another church. But still, it's not great. You know, it's not great when people speak about other churches and they, they, they accuse it and they negative and it's not the will of God. It's not the heart of God. It's, not, it's never meant to be. I mean, the, the church is the bride of Christ. He loves her with all his heart. He died for his bride. So a lady yesterday in church here, we were praying and she saw a vision. Quite a hectic vision. She didn't share it, so she just WhatsApped me. She said she saw a bride walking down the aisle in a vision. And then she saw all the, the people on both sides beginning to throw knives at the bride. And by the time she hit, became the frontier, she fell down in a pool of blood, dress ripped and just bleeding. Sure. That's hectic. And I, and I feel that's sort of what's happening to the bride of Christ. There are so many opinions, so many negative opinions, so many accusations towards the church. And then in this vision, people came to help, but they it couldn't heal, couldn't mend the church. And then Jesus came. And Jesus picked her up, and Jesus comforted her and nurtured her, and then he healed her. And in this vision, he says she felt Jesus healed the bride from the inside out. So I want to speak about that. That Jesus coming to heal his bride from the inside out. You see, you are the church. The church isn't a building. The church isn't a place. Every one of us... We're the church. Let's say it. We are the church. But the enemy has, has tricked so many believers and unbelievers, and there's so many wounded believers. I believe there are probably more people this morning in South Africa who are Christian and outside the church than in terms of the meeting than in the church. So many offended, so many hurt. And yes, the church has failed in many ways. We have made mistakes in many ways, but she's still the bride of Christ. You know, if you want to bless me, speak nicely about my wife. 
that I will like you even more than I did previously. <laughs> you know, Jesus has called his bride to be beautiful. What if it's God's plan that his bride be so beautiful that multitudes of people are drawn to Christ because of the beauty of the bride? Amen. What if God calls us to be truly beautiful? You know, but sometimes, sometimes when people experience something bad or they get hurt or wounded, they, they, they tend to just write it off. Have you been hurt in a work scenario? Who's been offended in a work scenario? Like someone hurt you. You have? That's a sign, eh? Stop working, eh? <laughs> Cut it out. Why would you do that? <laughs> so many people getting hurt in a marriage relationship. What does that mean? That marriage is not of God? No. It is of God. It must just be done right. It's the same with, with church. You know, so many people think, oh, no, I had a bad experience there. And whoo, next church, bad experience again. Now nah, I'm over it. <laughs> I would say to someone, if you haven't experienced the beauty of church, keep on looking. Keep on looking. Keep on pursuing. Because for Sonic and me, we love the church. We love the bride of Christ. It's wonderful. When church works, it is wonderful. It's beautiful. It's glorious. It is, you see, the, the, the local church is the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world. Jesus cannot reach the nations without you and me. He can't. Well, I guess he could, but he's decided he's not going to do it without you and me. I mean, he can do anything. But he has decided, I will work through my body, the body of Christ. We are his hands. We are his feet. And the bride, the bride is supposed to be beautiful. And so this is my life mission. This is my life mission as going to Zambia now to share with the pastors and the leaders how to help their churches to become beautiful. And we're just on a journey. I'm still on a discovery, on a, a journey of discovery of the how, but uh, it's good when it works. Amen. When church works, it's wonderful. So when, uh, when I was, uh, before I became a believer, I met Christians every now and again, and they irritated the life out of me. You know, those happy people. Oh, it's just happy. Yeah. yeah it was, who experienced that? Ah, yeah. Like, I think I was in primary school still, and there was this one couple. My parents were divorced, and yeah, our lives were a mess. So there was just darkness and a lot of mess. And I remember this one couple family members of the lady that my dad was dating, and it was, just, uh, it was just crazy. We had a crazy scenario. I mean, this lady, she got so angry at me, she hit me through the face, and uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a stuff up time of my life. But there was this, this, one, this one couple. They would always come and visit. And they were just different. Eh? They were different. So happy irritated me. I just something, I don't like these people. <laughs> Later I found out they were Christians, real Christians, believers, following Christ. I think sometimes we do that to people. Eh? They look at, just be morbid, man. Just be negative about something. Don't be so happy. You can't be excited about this country. What's wrong with you? You know? 
But it's something when you meet Jesus, you know, He just changes you. You see things differently. You get joy and peace. And, but I remember being so negative. And then um, as a, when I became a Christian, I, I joined the church. But at first, these people were a little weird. Until I met Jesus, truly met Him, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, my eyes opened. And I, wow, I love these people. I love church. I love going to church. I love meeting with church people. But I realized I needed to change. It was actually, the, the problem was on my side, not on their side. So maybe, I'm just putting out there maybe for one or two of us. The rest of you are obviously all excited about church. But one or two of you, maybe, maybe Jesus needs to heal your heart and your eyesight so that you can see again as he wants you to see and excel, be excited about church community. You know, um, for me, the, the, the best thing about church is the relationships. The best thing. The best thing is, you know, going to Zambia, but, you know, I went, Stephen Montgomery went with me. We had a ball. We were crying with, tea, we are with, with laughter a, a few times. And, but the, the, the amazing thing is that when God does amazing things and He's moving, you've got someone to share it with. Hey, did you see that? It was awesome. You know? But I think sometimes we hide behind religiosity. Don't know if there's such a word, but I made it up now. We hide behind it. We become religious. We hide behind our spirituality, you know? I see that so many times when I travel, I meet pastors and leaders. You know, we've learned the Christian face and the Christian position and... Uh, but at home, things are falling apart. Marriage is falling apart. Relationships are falling apart. But hey, we're religious. You know, and so part of my mission is I want to just pull that down. I want to I remove that religiosity, you know, that fakeness, that falseness, that mask that we put up. You know, we want to create an environment where people can be themselves. And put all their stuff on the table and say, hey, that's me. What are you going to do? That ah, I'm going to love you. It's okay. Amen. Real church should be a place where people can be real. So that's part of what we want to, that's what we want to do, want to see. So I want to, I want to just lay a foundation this morning. I'll continue next week, but I want to speak about the, sort of the, the foundation upon which Jesus builds his church. So I want to read Ephesians 5, 25. And uh, so the, the mission is to cause every one of us to become beautiful. A person that draws people to Jesus. That's what we want to be. Amen. So I've learned now in Zambia, if you say hallelujah, then everybody says amen. So even when they are asleep, you know, you see some of us. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it was very funny. So, hallelujah, amen, <laughs> hallelujah, praise God, okay, Ephesians 5, 25, it says, husbands, love your wives, ah, oh, that's a good word, that's a good word right there, just as Christ also loved the church, you know, if we love Jesus, we will love his church, we will love his bride, we will love his people, and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, 
He he might make her pure, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church. That'd be good. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That is his heart. He wants a beautiful church, and that means he wants you to become beautiful and holy and draw people to him. So I want to take you to Matthew 16 that lays the foundation, I believe, for the church. I'm going to touch on the teaching flow of the fivefold ministry. I believe what I'm going to share with you is the heart of the teaching flow, touches a bit on the pastoral flow, and then we'll continue on the pastoral flow next week. So Jesus takes his disciples out of the hustle and bustle, away from the multitudes to a place on a mountain. So they isolated place. Um, the place is... Uh, Caesarea Philippi, it's 200 kilometers north from Jerusalem, uh, the northern parts of Palestine. He took his disciples aside. And then he asked them these critical questions. Well-known passage, but he asked them these critical questions. And everybody was expecting King Jesus to establish an earthly kingdom reign. And then he blew them away. And he said, no, I'm going to build my church. Quite a surprise. So... Matthew 16, 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So he's saying, who do, who do you say I am? Or who do people say I am? And I say, well, you're this important somebody. You're a significant somebody. So he, he sort of cuts to the core, who, who, who am I? You know? And then they say, well, all these type of things. And, uh, but they're not getting there yet. They're not getting to the core. They're not getting about who Jesus truly is. Because they're just saying, well, someone else says. And many people live in that place. Well, the pastor says Jesus is this. The pastor says, or my mother says, or my friend says, or someone else says, well, they say Jesus is a significant individual. Fine. So be it. But I think sometimes we get so busy with life that we never actually stop to listen, to, 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 to hear, well, oh, Jesus, who are you? So um, there's a, in, a, in the next bit, in a, in a, let, me, let me read the next verse, then, you, then I can, can pull it together. Okay, we, yeah, so it says, that in the next one, he says, he said to them, but who do you say that I am. So a while ago, I saw a vision of, a, of a, a mist. You know when you're driving your car at a good speed and suddenly a mist comes in? What is your response? Go faster. Slow down. Slow down. So sometimes you have to really, really slow down. If it's a thick, thick mist, you have to slow down to almost crawling speed. So I, I had this word where I felt the Lord wants to bring in a mist to our lives so we can slow down. You see, some of us are so busy. We're running from the one thing to the next thing to the next thing. From work to social, to TV, to kids, to work, to sleep, to whatever, etc. You know, 
We're running around, running around, running around. And I felt God is saying, slow down your life so that you, even as Jesus did, he took his disciples aside, away from the hustle, the bustle, away from the multitudes, to a place on a mountain. And then he asked, when everything was nice and quiet, okay, so who am I? Who am I? You see, you, you, will, you, will, you will miss Jesus if you are too busy. Let me say it to everybody in this place, you're too busy. I don't need a word. I just know it. You're too busy. Because life is just too busy. And if we are too busy, we will miss Jesus. So I had this word about a mist and the Lord saying, slow down. And I had this impression of Jesus taking us, someone's face and turning it to him saying, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. The Lord wants us to look to Him, but you need to slow down. So uh, with our son, for instance, we help him to slow down while we still can. So we have said uh, no movies in the week and no TV. Also, only tablet and games over holidays. And only then about an hour, he puts a little clock there. Time it click, and it counts down. And when it beeps, it's over. The result is he doesn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> so now, we have created a slow-down environment. So now he plays piano and he practices every day. And now he's reading his Bible. He's eight years old. When he gets up in the mornings, he reads his Bible before he goes to school. Especially the last few weeks. And then he told us, I feel so close to God. Isn't that amazing? Eight-year-old, people. Eight-year-old. Speaking like a mature believer. Because, you see, it's not about age to encounter God. But some of us are so busy, we're so running around from the one thing to the next thing to the next thing that there's no time to slow down and to see Jesus. He wants to turn your face to him. He wants to say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Slow down. Just come and sit. When's the last time you just sat and you weren't on a mission? Oh, I need to read a chapter in the Bible or something. No, no, just sit and listen and meditate upon God. Upon who he is and what he, how he feels about you. Have, have you done that lately? Because if you don't do it, you will live in a second-hand feeding position. Like pastor said, pastor got a revelation. Oh, epic revelation. But you didn't get the revelation. You didn't receive it for yourself. And the Lord wants to give it to you. He wants you to hear from yourself, for, for, for yourself from the Lord. So then Matthew 16, 15, he says, he said to them, but who do you say I am? It is never good enough if you hear it from someone else. You must have revelation yourself of who Jesus is. Now, why did Jesus ask this question? Why didn't he just tell them, guys, I've got great news. I am the Messiah. Worship me. Why did he ask them? Because I believe he, the Lord wants us to seek, to pursue, to look for Him, 
to not settle for what someone else told us, but for what we, we hear from God ourselves. He could just have said, hey, I'm the son of God, worship me, and he didn't. You see, but how you see Jesus will determine if the church is truly beautiful. It's not good enough that the pastor has a revelation of Jesus. You must have a revelation of Jesus. You must. You must. Oh, he's amazing. I love him so much. I got a fresh glimpse this morning. Wow. Never-ending, unlimited supply of who God is is available to every one of us, but you need to desire it. You need to say, well, who is Jesus to me? And you can't go on last year's revelation. Who is he to you this week? Have you seen something fresh from him this week? Have you had a fresh word from him this week? He says, Jesus is beautiful. When he becomes beautiful to us, then the church will be beautiful. So I, I heard the story about a guy. He uh, was in prison and everything was dark and dreary. And then he, he, gave, he committed his life to Jesus. And then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And his testimony was, that morning when I got up and I walked out into the courtyard, all the bars, all the gates, all the fences, everything was still there. It was still there. But he says, it was so colorful. <laughs> it was so bright. It was so beautiful. Everything was different, although nothing was different. He changed on the inside. He encountered the living God, and so his perception of life was changed. We need that on a daily basis, a, a renewal, a renewal, a renewal, a renewal. So Matthew 16, verse 16 to 17. So Peter, Simon Peter answers and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, and Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I'm sure we've all heard this passage before. I believe there is a spiritual famine. A spiritual famine in the, spirit, in, 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 this, in the church world. And you say, how can it be? We've never had as many books, Christian books. We've never had as much Christian TV. We've never had as many you know, podcasts and you name it. There's thousands and thousands of things to listen to and read. I still believe we have a spiritual famine. Why? Because yeah, reading a book's good, but you must read the Bible for yourself in Jesus' name. Listening to a message is good, but you need to get into the Word and to prayer yourself because that is where you come alive. You know, I listen to sermons and things and read books every now and again, and it's encouraging, but it doesn't feed me. It only feeds me when I get into the Word myself, and I discover something fresh about who God is myself. So you will always be like, uh, you know what a famine looks like? People look anemic. You know, the, the pictures of the Somalians or the Ethiopians in the famines of the past, you know, so thin. They're not strong. They not have muscle and, you know, can do the thing. So many Christians find themselves in that. We become lazy. So we listen to the most exciting preacher we can find, and then, yeah, that's exciting, yes. And that's not bad. It must just not stop there. It must move to revelation knowledge about who God is for ourselves. 
or the church will be anemic. We will be powerless. You know, we often focus on the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. Do you know how do you get more of the presence of God? The Word of God. The Word of God is the way to the Spirit of God. The Word of God is the way to the fullness of God's presence. So when you start off, it might be tough. It might be challenging. It's like, oh, it's not speaking to me. Keep on reading. Pray over it. Wrestle with the Word until something fresh pops out. It's the only way to become strong in the Lord. So we've, uh, Vian, our son, has some tasks he needs to do. It's on the fridge, the list of things he needs to do. And if he does it, he gets a tick box and he might get a little bit of extra pocket money at the end of the month. But we've added another one there. If you memorize a verse in the Bible, we're going to give you a bit of money. <laughs> I heard about a man who... Uh, he, his mama, he was, a, he was a, a, a black man in the U.S., grew up in, I think, in the 60s, 70s. And his mom said to him, if you, and they were very, very poor, and he said, if, if, if you memorize the scripture, I will, uh, I'll give you a penny or whatever it is. I'll give you some, something. So he became an expert at all the shortest verses in the Bible. So he shared how the, oh, 1 Thessalonians, that, oh, that chapter is a treasure trove of short verses. <laughs> but he, he couldn't, you know, his mom in the end said, no, 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 it's not, not for everyone, just per day maybe, I'll give you something, because he got too, too good at it. But it was so powerful to hear this man who's now, say, in his 60s, but when he was a child, he learned to memorize scripture, and it rocked. It had such an impact on his life. With uh, the other evening with the Bethel students uh, at the service, that guy quoted the whole of Romans 8. I don't know if you picked it up for those who were there. He quoted Romans 8 from verse 1 right to the end from off, off by heart. I was like, man, I've heard this before. <laughs> Where have I? That's the Bible. It's Romans 8. He memorized the whole thing. How amazing. I don't know if, you, if those who were there, but the one guy, Carlos, he was, uh, amazing thing happened the next day. He was uh, hit by a car, badly broke his leg. The one guy was preaching that evening, he shared a bit, he was so powerful about don't take off your cape. Don't take off your cape, that guy. And he uh, got hit by a car the next day as they were preaching somewhere in town. And uh, the driver jumped out and came to him. And he was like, oh, you know, they know what to do. And as he was, this guy was, was li Carlos was lying on his back, and this guy came to him, and he looked up at him and said, have you given your life to Jesus? <laughs> do you want to give your life to Jesus now? And he said, yes. <laughs> so he led him to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Then Carlos went to hospital. I think he was in St. Dom's. He led, to, he led 70 people to Christ over the 10 days in hospital. People would wake him up at night. <laughs> Hallelujah. People, people were getting healed in the ER, and then people would wake him up because nurses were getting healed. They would wake him up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and the nurse would say, would you please pray for us? And the people were getting healed, and 70 people came to Christ in the 10 days. How's that for? Backfired on the devil. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. That's beautiful. That's just so inspiring. Eh? 
But I could see this guy is passionate, and now it officially is passionate. You know, when a car hits you, yeah, you can give your life to Jesus. That's a good one to remember. <laughs> okay, but uh, it says, so, so, so Peter says, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. So Jesus is blessed not by the truth only, but by where the truth comes from. So Jesus is saying, Peter, you're blessed because this truth comes by the Holy Spirit. This truth comes from God Most High. It didn't come from man. You see, where truth comes from is defining. So even when, 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 when demon-possessed people um, started in, 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 the, in, the book, in the Gospels would say, this is the Christ, Jesus would silence them. Because he didn't want people to know he's the Messiah, yes. But secondly, I believe he doesn't want testimony from an evil spirit. Because even if it's the truth, but it comes from the wrong source, it will kill you. It will lead to bondage. So that's why dead religion or the spirit of dead religion is so, so powerful in a negative way. It binds. Yes, it's the scripture. Yes, he's preaching it. But it's not by the Holy Spirit. So it leads to bondage. It leads to a heavy yoke, a burden. I've seen this so often. It must be by the Holy Spirit. It must be by the Holy Spirit. It is when the Lord breathes on the Word that it comes alive. So the Word alone is not enough. We need to be a Spirit-fed church. That's the only way to break the famine is when the Spirit of God breathes on that Word and it's, it comes alive. So are you getting into the Word yourself? Are you? Are you? I don't say this enough. If you were in a Baptist church, you'd have heard this a hundred times this year so far. Have you gone into the Word today? And it's true, you better get into the Word. You need to get into that Word. You see, Jesus is the living bread. Like, you know, if you, if you, if you just read the Word without the Spirit, it is like chewing on grain. Not so like a but when the Holy Spirit breathes upon that word, it, like, it, it, it explodes in your heart. It becomes fresh bread that's just coming from the oven. <sighs> no sickness. Fresh bread that just breaks open. It, it nourishes us. It feeds us. You know, so I go through seasons. I, there are times like, I, ah, I don't want to worship now. I just want to read the word. I'm just reading, reading, reading. And then I'm like, ah, time to worship. Now I worship, 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 and then I read the Word. Then I pray, pray, pray. Like I, it's like the Holy Spirit leads one in different, different seasons or moments or even on a daily basis, different aspects. Memorize a scripture this week. Just shock the devil. Let's do it. Let's be radical. Just go for it. But the Holy Spirit breathes on the Word and makes it alive. When Jesus is beautiful to us, the church becomes beautiful as well. Jesus is the word become flesh. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the one upon whom the Holy Spirit came. Makes it alive and it changes us. It breaks the famine, breaks the famine. So Matthew 16 verse 18 to 19, the last bit of the scripture ending off with. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So, what happened here? Jesus, Peter gets a revelation of who Christ is. Peter gets this revelation. He says, you are the Christ. And then Jesus gets so excited. So, wow, that's so awesome because this truth comes from the Holy Spirit to you. And then what is Jesus' response? He says, you are Peter. So his name was Simon. Read. He says, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. What rock? The rock, the foundation of the church of Jesus Christ is the revelation of who Jesus is. Revelation. Revelation. Judas also heard Jesus is the Christ. He denied him. It's not about hearing something factual. It's about having a living encounter with Christ. We say, Jesus, you are the Son of God. Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the creator of heaven and earth. Jesus, you are beautiful. Jesus, you are wonderful. Jesus, you are the one who died for us. Jesus. Jesus. As I said a few weeks ago, the mission is Christ. But in that place of revelation of who Jesus is, what happens? God turns around and he says, and you are Peter. So profound. You see, if you want to know who you are, you can only find that in the revelation of who God is. The church is made beautiful through the revelation of who Jesus is and who we are in him. Every time you see Jesus, every time you get fresh revelation of the goodness, the love, the beauty of God, you will also be in an environment where you can discover who you are. And Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. I often say this, but what's the point of saying, well, Jesus is beautiful, you know, but I suck. I'm terrible. I'm a loser. I can't do anything right. Nobody likes me, etc. I'm this horrible man. I'm this horrible person. So many Christians live in that space feeling they're never good enough, never have done enough. This heavy yoke, this heavy burden of dead religion, a heavy yoke must cast that off. When you discover who you are in Jesus, it's like it's freedom. Freedom. It's freedom. So the rock upon which Jesus builds his church is the revelation of Christ and also the revelation of who we are in Christ. Because then the body becomes powerful. The body of Christ becomes able to get up and do. You see, if, you, if, 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 if the, the extent of your walk with God is to come to church and read your Bible every now and again and pray, then the church isn't beautiful. The church is beautiful when we receive revelation of the, how powerful our God is and we receive revelation of who we are in God and we get up and we go do something with that revelation. You get up and you love somebody. You get up and you pray for somebody in their, in their need. You get up and you bless and minister to someone at your workplace or your neighbor or your wife or your child or your, but you do something with it. I don't think you, I, I think it's impossible to see Jesus and do nothing. It's impossible to have a revelation of his amazing love and do nothing with it. 
So when you see him, it will move you to be changed, and then you can have an impact on others as well. Hallelujah. So it says there as well that, uh, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I'm going to share more about that next week. But I saw a vision of a, of a key within a glass container, and then another key in a glass container, another key in a glass container. And I, I had this impression that each key represents a different aspect of the kingdom. In other words, when I receive a revelation of who Father God is, He's a loving dad, and I see, receive a revelation that I am His son, and even if I do nothing, He loves me. He celebrates me. He believes in me. It's like the glass container is removed and I get a key, a key of the kingdom, a key to unlock, a key to bind, to lock, and that key will, will have impact on specific aspects of the kingdom of darkness. For instance, the orphan spirit, that thing that torments so many people that they feel they, they're not loved and they're not good enough and they don't have a heavenly father that loves them. But when you get a revelation of who Father God is to you and who you are in Him, a son, you get a key and you can set others free. Amen. And so there are all these different keys. So, so there's so much of God to see about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus, about the Father. And when you discover it, you receive a key. And Jesus said even the gates of hell will not be able to stop the church of Jesus Christ. When we have a revelation of who Jesus is and have a revelation of who we are in Him. And we get our keys. And we just say, no devil, not today. We're going to lock you there. We're going to lock you there. We're going to set free there, set free, set free there. While in Zambia, I, I saw a, another vision. You know, God often speaks in pictures. I saw a vision, vivid, vivid vision of like 10 doors being opened up, unlocked. Almost like into the throne room of God. That's the impression I had. And I heard the words, the word of God say to me, you're going to walk closer to God now than you have ever before. And I'm like, yes. That is my cry. I want to walk closer to Jesus because I know the closer I get to Him, the more able I am to see lives changed. God is calling you in. God is calling you in. He wants, you to, give, he wants to give you fresh revelation of who He is and how much He loves you. But you need to get into the Word. You need to go and pursue Him. You need to seek until you find. You need to pursue until it opens up. You need to silence the voice of the enemy that tells you, no, it's not good enough. No, it's not going to work. Silence. I believe this is the church that will be unstoppable. Even the gates of hell. Hell itself cannot stop a people that know who Jesus, who God is, and who know who they are in God. And then they do something with that. Amen. So on this rock, on this rock, on this rock, on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus will build his church on this rock. I will establish my church, the triumphant church. And you are part of that. You are that. You are called to be that. I don't know about you, but the thing that excites me the most in life is to know Jesus better. That's my mission. I want to stir that in you. To eat that fresh bread from heaven. For yourself. No, not from the preacher. The Holy Spirit is ready to come alongside you, 
to break open the word of God to you like you have never imagined. That's the teaching flow. An anointing where the revelation is released to every believer. And it sustains you, it strengthens you, makes you strong in God. And then that church will be unstoppable. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Please stand with me. I want to pray for us. Come on. Let's, let's, I'll continue next week on this theme of the beautiful bride. I want to speak more about relationships and community in the weeks ahead. But I want to, I want to stir this in you. It's not good enough to use your Bible as a doorstop. It's not good enough for it to stay on the mantelpiece. It's not good enough for it to, to, to lie next to your bed. Slow down. Sky, slow down. You're running past Jesus. Slow down. Slow down your heart. Slow down your mind. Slow down. Slow down. Get into the Word. Hallelujah. Father God, thank you that you've made your Holy Spirit available to us. You've made your Holy Spirit available to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for fresh manna from heaven. Lord, break the famine. Break the famine in our lives, God. Lord, we pray for this mist to come and help us slow down. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, we just welcome an anointing, your Holy Spirit to come and breathe upon the Word to make it the living bread. Stains us fills us, strengthens us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I just feel for some of us, there's like a block, a mental block when it comes to reading the Word or, or really getting something nourishing from the Word. So two things I want to ask. If you are convicted right now that you need to slow down, would you please raise your hand? Because I feel this is such a word for us, a now word for us. And then secondly, you can, you can drop your hands again, it's fine. Just want to know, if you feel there's a block when it comes to reading God's word, just quickly raise your hand. You battle. Okay. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, let's, let's put a hand on our, on our heads. Eh? Let's just uh, lay hands on ourselves. It is legal. Because Jesus lives in you. Father, thank you, Lord. Lord, we just bring our, our minds before you, God. Lord, right now, we take authority of every block in our minds, every resistance to just slowing down opening the word 
and seeing Jesus and seeing ourselves in you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release grace upon every heart and mind here right now to slow down, turn the TVs off, to switch off the news, to turn our phones off, to set aside anything that's distracting us. Lord, I pray for grace on every one of us just to be happy with silence, a quiet place. In Jesus' name. Lord, right now we ask for a release of grace to slow down, just to sit, or to lie down, just to rest and meditate upon the living God. Lord, I pray that we'll no longer live on second-hand meals, but that we would receive the living bread for ourselves from heaven. In Jesus' mighty name. So God, right now, we rebuke every block, every, anything that's blocking our, our hearts and minds from receiving from you, from opening the word and and, and consuming the word with everything within us to memorize the word, God, to pray the word back to you, God. Lord, we pray for a hunger and a thirst in this house for your word so that we may have the blessing of seeing you, encountering you. So Lord, right now, we receive grace over our minds and hearts. In Jesus' name.